Welcome to Tea Time with Jesse. I'm your host, Jesse, and we're here today with two fantastic guests. We have my friend Mohammed Magdi. Hello. Uh, and Annie Louie. Hi. Uh, both of whom are comedians here out in the Asian comedy scene. And so, Mohammed, I've known you for years and years and years. Yeah, <laughs> I think I must have been 10 years at least. Like, yeah. I started in 2013. When did you start? I started in Asia in 2012. But yeah. that was really like my professional start doing comedy. It was also around then. So it was right. like, yeah. it was uh, 2012. Uh, Mohammed was always in the Shanghai scene. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Beijing scene, so whenever you were in Beijing, I'd see you up performing. Yeah. And whenever I go to Shanghai, um, and then ultimately to the Hong Kong scene. Yeah. And then Annie is in the Australian scene, um, and uh, it's just like a really great uh, coincidence that all three of us are in Taiwan yeah. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Hey, I really want to hang out with you guys and have tea." And then I realized, like, "Oh, I actually have like two comedians I can have on the show." Which yeah. is, <laughs> which so is we great. met in China, and then mm -hmm. I live in Hong Kong, and yep. we're now in Taiwan. So we never really left China. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Another Chinese person who's never lived here. I, I'm like learning Mandarin right now. That, yeah. So this oh is yeah. So so yeah. So what? Who speaks better Mandarin? He does now. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. I, I think she you. knows more words, but I'm more like fluent. In, yeah. Like, yeah. Really and he stuff. has the confidence. Yeah. yeah so that with a lot of things, you can just pull it off. Oh yeah. If you go in, even if it's wrong, with yeah. confidence. That's true. That's it's actually very important to know. People are always like, oh, like oh, your Chinese must be so good. It's like no, I'm willing to be wrong. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's actually Which is more acceptable to be fair to us like to yeah. her even yeah you like, have it's more acceptable it. for us because they're like they expect us to make yeah, mistakes yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but then I don't know if I yeah. can say this on record yeah, but yeah. like she, they think she's retarded most oh yeah, yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> it's like a record as if there's like some very important somebody's like taking notes and be like it's on paper it's now. my favorite moment of every day being like someone's like hey why don't you speak <laughs> you get does this happen to you guys where like you're like people are coming up and talking to you and you say something Mandarin and they turn to you yeah yeah exactly yeah on the plane around yeah. yeah he was he couldn't have pork in his meal and they kept talking to me and i'm like don't talk to me yeah. <laughs> and then and then like do you oh, oh we i have a lot of tons of questions before we get uh, started with the questions we'll yeah. have a great time i do want to make some tea yeah um so i have this is a tea guanyin a uh an oolong tea from here in uh, Taipei, I went a couple days ago to Malkong, which is like, you should actually do it while you're here. Yeah. You take a gondola up to the hills, you get a view of the whole of Taipei. Mm. And they actually grow tea up on the, the hills, like nice. right near Taipei. Yeah. And so this is going to be a nice, dark, roasty oolong. Um, give this a try. Mm. Um, Annie, do you drink a lot of tea? Yes, I grew up drinking lots of tea, uh, including caffeinated tea, I reckon, from the time I could walk. Oh, yeah. So tea does nothing to me from a <laughs> caffeine <laughs> perspective. Um, but, yeah, definitely grew up drinking a lot of oolong tea. Uh, some of my other favorites would be chrysanthemum, uh, peppermint as well, because nice. I have a lot of gut-related issues, yeah. and there's a lot of good properties yeah. with uh, digestion with nice. tea. Yeah, because it's one of those things, like, I'm always interested in the sort of Chinese communities overseas, outside of China. It seems like sometimes the sometimes the tea culture goes and sometimes it doesn't. And it, mm -hmm. it probably depends on where the people were when they moved out of China. <laughs> you know yeah so the um but like within the chat like the australian chinese community like the tea is still definitely a thing yeah especially with the british influence mm -hmm. so colonized by the british everyone loves having a cup of tea and i reckon it's 50 50 coffee mm. to tea drinkers mm. um and also really? that's that's very high for tea it is very mm. high very high for tea I, I, um, we, we actually have people that like order tea from australia and i feel really bad because they have to pay a ton of shipping but mm. on the other hand i'm like that is literally not my fault your island is too far yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know 
know, that may not be my fault. Yeah. I mean, we're, I'm always working to figure out a way. I'm not looking into seeing if I can get a warehouse there, but it's like, it's magic. Yeah. So, mm. um, so, so you import your tea from China and yeah. then you, do you bring it to the U.S. and then distribute it? Yeah. So okay. what I do is I have, including the tea tables and stuff, like one of my advantages Thank is you. that I actually bring it all over on a boat. And so we save a lot of money and so we can give people more and better quality tea for the same. Does it go both ways? Tea this one way and then refugees the other way? Yeah, yeah, from from refugees to where? Yeah, no, no, I mean to the U.S. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Basically, like the uh, we we just put the same people on the same boat. All oh, right, okay. That, we have that a is boat. Good there. We, good just, team, we just keep it like moving. Mm. Yeah, the, the important thing is it's moving. moving. <laughs> just keep it moving, people. So cheers, keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for meeting up in Taiwan. Here we yeah. go, guys. Cheers. You didn't cheers me. Hey, here okay. Go. <laughs> They're supposed to look at each other's eyes. Yeah. Uh, is it like with yeah, alcohol? Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it alcohol and tank? I have I no know. idea. This is our alcohol now. Both of us don't drink. Yeah. And yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Give me that hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the um. So this has a little smokiness to it. Ooh, it's really that's gonna nice. come out. Very clean. Yeah. Mm. That's the thing. So the Taiwanese oolongs. Um, Basically, what I'm doing on this trip is I'm doing like a Taiwan mystery drop. Mm. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be putting on the shop, but we have like a mystery drop option if people yeah. want to like get mm. some of whatever I'm going to That's be taking really up. Nice. This is up on that list. I think this might yeah, be yeah. one of the things in the drop, if not the drop so yeah he did not tell me to say this but this no, is yeah. Yeah. The, and that's the thing the taiwanese oolong is like known for being really clean tasting mm. because uh the environment here is really good and, it's funny uh, there's a lot of yeah. similarities i used to work for a coffee company for oh, yeah? a while and there's a lot of similarities even in the terminology when you're like describing like taste notes and stuff like mm -hmm. this with coffee. And I had like, to relearn all my adjectives in English to tell people what the tea was like because I learned all my tea stuff in Chinese. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so, funny. so I like I went up yeah. and people were saying people knew all these words I didn't know in English. They're like, what's the terroir? I'm like, the what? The T E R R O I R is like the um is like the place and environment in which the thing is made. It's like a French word. Mm. It's so funny. It yeah. sounds like because you speak in like Beijing Hua. Oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're still <laughs> saying it in Chinese. Hua? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very I thought it was Chinese. Yeah, exactly. It's not? Okay. That's like my French accent is so bad. <laughs> You thought I was speaking Chinese. <laughs> I'm like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, but the the um yeah, so it's um it's it's really great. I basically just kind of made this trip to Taiwan a little bit on a whim, uh, because I was uh, you know I hadn't been back here since before the pandemic, and so it's it's good to be tied back into the world of that I used to live in, where I yes. would be hanging out with comedians in Asia and doing comedy shows. So, yeah. Mohammed, you just did a show here at Two Three Comedy last yeah, night. Yeah. Uh, which you. was awesome. He killed it. If uh, you guys should definitely follow both of their Thank channels you. if you want to see the laughs. Um, but mm. what was it like performing in Taiwan? Like, how did you feel the audience was? Uh, it was great. I, I was I did Taiwan the different like same promoter but different venue seven years ago. That was my first time in Taiwan, wow. 2017. Mm. He ran a basement like mm -hmm. a, a, a show in a basement of a bar. Mm -hmm. Now he has his own comedy club. Yeah. So shout out to Sam Yarbs. And uh, I was very excited because all the comics who played that club said it's like such a beautiful venue and stuff. Mm. I was just excited to see it. That's and good. I've run shows for years. So just like from a booker's point of view, I just wanted to see the room. Yeah. So to play the Taiwan audience, honestly, probably the nicest audience in yeah. Asia. They're so giving, mm. uh, as opposed to fucking Koreans. Never <laughs> <laughs> uh, just which yeah. Korea? 
actually, actually it's I would probably have better better yeah, luck uh, in North Korea. Dude, can you imagine like South you, Korean audience just bad? South Korea just, <laughs> just didn't work, and no. then you're like, you know, well, we have another Korea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, you're Egyptian. You might be able to get in. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I can get in. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I bet you'd kill it in North Korea because the moment they knew you were coming, they would they would make a fake audience just to laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I should do a special there. Yeah. Live from the gulag. From Pyongyang, you know. But yeah, honestly, probably the nicest audience in Asia is is, is Taiwan. Mm. So much, yeah, just like they're great because a lot of my references are based on my experience in China and Hong Kong. Mm. So that's like the third part of that. It was really fun to see that for for me because I have all these jokes, whether in English or Chinese, about life in China. Yes. And then here in Taiwan, when I got here, I was like, well, what do I say? Do I say I was in China? Do I say I was in Beijing? Do I? Right. And I just like the way you dealt with it. It was just like, I lived in China and here's stories about that was happening to me in China. Exactly. And, And that's like, oh, that... Yeah, that that's that's definitely the easiest way to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, because obviously like, almost all of my touring experience has been in Asia in general, so mm. I kind of know how to talk to the Asian audience, and uh, but because Taiwan is so close to China, like you know, culturally or geographically and all mm. of it, it's just easy to to play this to yeah. this audience. And yeah, I, I was having a lot of fun. It looked like you were having fun. Yeah, yeah, I was like, it yeah. was one of these shows where I'm like, oh yeah, I can just relax and. Just be myself, and they're on board. That's so, good. That's yeah, great. and that's and that's like I really like miss it from from being now in the in the LA and like the Hollywood scene. Yeah, it's like it's almost like when I when I talk about my life in Asia, people are like, "Oh, that's a great niche you got." I'm like, "That was my life. Like, I didn't <laughs> I didn't choose it as a niche to make money or anything or yeah. make it in the industry. It's like, like." It, it almost seems there, it's like, I don't know if it's similar in, in uh, like, in Egypt probably is more more likely than Australia, but like, if you go back to Egypt and you said you lived in Asia, do people think you're just like showing off or something like yes, that? Yes, yeah. I, a lot, like, I've, I don't go back to Egypt that often, but when I go and I actually avoid talking about like anything... But it's also because the economy there is so bad. Yeah. It sounds like I'm bragging That's by living thing. in a very rich country like uh, Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Province, sorry. Yeah, how about, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, um, the money is... It's funny you're talking about money, but yeah, it does kind of make a little bit of sense. I think mm. it's... Uh, yeah, and now that you think about it, it's not like the the wealthy, well-off people in the States that are like thinking like, oh, you're showing off, you lived in Asia. Mm. It's usually the people I think who would want to travel to Asia and can't. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, that's why I always feel a little bit bad about it because I'm like, I don't feel like I should just like flame on these people. Mm. But it's also like, I also don't want to, like, I want to talk about my life and I spent mm. a lot of time there, <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah. it's... um. What is the, and then Annie, you also performed last night. Um, what do you feel like the audience was like here? Yeah, I feel like it's such a good melting pot and they're so international. So one of the reasons why I want to come to Asia is to level up my comedy and make it more relatable to mm. lots of different audiences. The first time I came to Asia to do gigs, I was on some of the shows that Mo was running and I realized some of the references were just completely unrelatable to Hong Kongers. Like <laughs> yeah. I have material about driving and people don't drive because oh, you have to be yeah. really rich. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. And, and, and like, it's like, it's like classic LA shtick is like traffic jokes. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, but it's, it's here, like weirdly enough, it almost would be bragging here to be taught. Like yes. in Hong Kong, you're like, I got stuck in traffic the other day and it's like, did you? Yeah. <laughs> did you really? Tell me yeah. more about yeah. how hard it is having yeah. your, your fucking BMW and <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's a success from 
having grown since June to come and every joke I know is going to work because it's so universally relatable. So mm. try, it's like starting again. I'm like stripping back to, okay, you got like 15 maximum mm. relatable minutes in Asia yeah, yeah. and then to grow again and find hopefully an hour out mm. of this uh, would be really great. That would be really cool. Yeah. So the, um, and then in terms of the, uh, the audience, like, you know, tell, tell people who did you see in the audience? Like, was it all Taiwanese people? Was it all Americans? Like who was there? Pretty uh, yeah, it was a good mix, I would say. I mean, for, just from visually from the stage, I would say it was about 50% locals, 40% maybe. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, the, you know, you can sometimes mistake, like yeah. there was a Korean person, for example, last night. And, you know, you can mistake her for a local if you're not paying attention. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I would say 40-50% Asians. Yeah. And then the others are like mixed. Yeah. Right? And the one black guy, of course. Oh, yeah, the one you black have guy. To have it. Who, was, who was the same black guy in the audience? That was a joke. Uh, but there was, oh, was it? I don't know. I'm glad you actually bought it. Yeah, but, Muhammad was like, he saw this one black guy in the front row. He's like, it's the same guy from seven years ago. And then he didn't fight. No, so he I didn't like, fight. <laughs> the reason being also, that was kind of an inside joke between me and the booker as well, because seven years ago, there was one black guy in the audience. Different guy. And I almost did the same joke. It was like, where are your black people in Taiwan? That's and I checked with... The, the local openers as well mm. three people and I'm like if I say there is not a lot of black people in Taiwan yeah. would people agree and yeah. he said absolutely okay so yeah. that's why I did it I'm yeah. like oh yeah the one black guy is here that's and then yeah. everyone was laughing whereas he yeah. did the similar joke in Australia and it got really tense oh that was so like, funny <laughs> it was around the time because we've got an indigenous population yeah. but they've kind of been driven out of the cities mm -hmm. for various like oppressive mm -hmm. reasons by yeah. white Australia so where he's like where do you put all your black people we're like mm. Ugh. well there is that I didn't no, yeah. I was genuinely asking. I was yeah, really curious where you put them all. Like, yeah, but not just that. <laughs> I was here. actually uh, asking about the actual black people, like the African oh, yeah. Africans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Turns out they call their indigenous people oh, black. No. Yeah, so it was. It's, it was like a. <laughs> it was on the weekend that we had a vote as well. We had a referendum. So when they told them to fuck off, by the oh, way. Oh well, yeah, whether they should be heard in parliament and have a say, and we actually yeah. voted no. And the so, answer was no. Yeah, <laughs> was no. We we have uh, listened to you and decided not to. Vote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, have heard you. Yeah, yeah. We have heard your cries and yeah. we decided we yeah. don't give a shit. Yes, you're like you're you're. We literally like I I see your tears, but I'm also thirsty. Yeah, <laughs> so, so you got a five minute set. You, so would, you would you would ah. kill. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so that was mis completely misinterpreted. Well, so here, here's the thing that I always find fascinating is like, how do you go about deciding when you go to Asia what jokes you are and aren't going to tell, mm. knowing that you know, you're an Egyptian guy in Hong Kong, whatever, you're Australian Chinese now performing last night in Taiwan. What's the calculus you go through to decide what you're going to say? Or what you're not going to say. Um, I mean, I like opening all of my shows in Asia by pointing out that all Asians look the same. And then we start from there. And uh, it's so far, I've been doing and it, it every single time. It works 100% of the time. What about you, Annie? Yeah. Um, I don't start my sets off by offending the audience. Um, I like to have them on my side. Uh, but yeah, I feel in Asia, especially with the background I have as diaspora mm -hmm. we still have lots of relatable topics like family like mm -hmm. traditional cultural values so mm -hmm. i think yeah leaning into that and having like strict or traditional parents has always been ever since i was a teenager that was like my way to get it out on stage like mm -hmm. any frustration so i think that still works uh, a lot of people are probably you know 
feminists like me now, the young people, you know, they're pretty liberal. So I think they understand that, like, you know, dating stories, um, mm -hmm. yeah, family tension, uh, embarrassing, like, cringe, kind of cathartic therapy type comedy, which just yeah. seems to work everywhere. So, yeah, that's been something that I've found. Oh, yeah, it doesn't really matter where you go. You can just People speak really, from your personal Every story. Everybody has been wounded by their parents. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, exactly. so it's, like, it's like a thing. That's really funny. But the... the um, like in terms of the the stage, like you know, what what did it feel like to be in Taiwan specifically? Like, because you you you're mostly based out of Hong Kong, you're yes. mostly based out of Melbourne, right? Mm. Yeah. So like Taiwan's a different place for all of you. Did you do any Taiwan specific jokes? Uh, yeah, last night because obviously I was headlining, so I did like forty five minutes, and there was a few things where I just kind of drew comparisons because a lot of my experiences in Hong Kong and mainland. Mm -hmm. So again, having Taiwan as kind of the third. Part of that trio yeah it was interesting it's almost just... like you know joke tag and then you just had another free tag exactly that's, that's cool. exactly right because you know for example i have a couple of references to how rich hong kong is yeah and i just call yeah. people <laughs> in taiwan poor yeah and it was funny <laughs> it was funny <laughs> yeah it was yeah. also like one of those moments where it's like it, like because again i lived in beijing and beijing's yeah. a wealthy place generally exactly. although there's up and down Ta hong kong is like basically mm. you know very very wealthy mm. you know you kind of have to be wealthy just not to die yes um yeah. and um and then in Taiwan, it's like, it's so funny because the, the quality of life here is very high, yes. but they're not rich. No, they're not rich. You know, it's like one of the things that's like a little bit of like a weird thing coming from the States is like in America, if you made a, an income similar to what they make in Taiwan, mm. you would not be doing well yes. necessarily. But then when like I'm in the neighborhood where I just like got my, um, like my hotel, there's like this beautiful park that it's mm. like, if you were in LA and you live next to that park, each of these houses would be worth $3 million. Right. right. Yeah. And it's, it's just a park. Yeah. But they just have nice public spaces. They have nice transit. The, the, everything is just generally clean. Mm. There's no trash anywhere on the streets. They don't even have trash cans on the streets. If you notice, really? yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, like you're personally can. responsible for your trash. Yeah. Yes. So you have mm. to take it, uh, you have to take it like to your house and put it in a trash can and then go and throw it out. Mm. So like, these little things, it's like, it doesn't cost money to do that. Yes. You know, mm. but uh, it seems like a lot of that stuff runs clear here. But at the same time, clearly like people are not rich. <laughs> no. And I think it's also like, at least from my experience, pandering to the audience is not really fun. Mm -hmm. So it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, China's like this or whatever. But I actually want to play the opposite when I'm mm. like, oh yeah, no, you guys suck. They are great. Yeah. And it does not actually what I think. I just yeah. think it's funny yeah. to, to take the other side as opposed to like, yeah, is it, doesn't China suck? And you guys yeah, are yeah. awesome. Like now actually China's way richer than you. Yeah. And it's a little bit more fun too. <laughs> it, also, it, leads into, it also kind of allows you to live a little bit closer to reality, which is like whatever, like whatever you want to say politically, who the hell knows, but like yes. there's more money in China than Taiwan. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and yeah. in Hong Kong. And yeah. it's like, it, in the pandering, it's like for me, like I don't like the pandering either. But the thing I really dislike about it is I feel like I ha I've created this fake world that mm. we're living in just tonight. Yes. And the more complicated your fake world is, mm. the more you have to think about everything you said forever uh, and, and wondering if it's breaking something in the fake world. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. And, you don't want to go against the thing that you just created. Yeah. like By saying sometimes your real opinion. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's... it's um. 
And so I think that's kind of where, like, for me, the, the fun of doing the shows in the other cultures are like, what can I do? What can I say that's authentic, that's active? By, but I also am like, yeah, I don't like offending the audience the first year. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're, you're much more uh, strong. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. That, that was 10 minutes ago. But if someone is still watching that in completion, that was a, a yeah. joke. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You guys have seen me do yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny how neither of you corrected me. And I, yeah, yeah. That was a joke. I was no, being but, silly. But yeah, the, um, so it's, it's great to be able to see us going forward. Um, hmm. Let's. I want to talk a little bit about the comedy scenes in Hong Kong and Australia. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe starting with Australia here, uh, what's the Melbourne comedy scene like? Yeah, it's really big. It's bigger than any of the Asian cities. Um, we have the biggest, one of the biggest comedy festivals in the world. So it's up there with Montreal and Edinburgh Fringe as well. So people come and it's open access so you can just pay a fee get a room and start doing shows so this year is going to be i think my sixth time nice. doing the festival mm. and we're doing a split bill together so it's the first time i'm actually sharing the stage with someone else mm. uh, because usually with a split bill show you it's like when you're starting out mm. you go and you do it with a friend and mm. you cut the costs but for us it's like a way of leveling up as well because he hasn't come to Australia before so he can mm. ride off the back of my connections mm. and me as we've decided I'll go second each time so mm. it's like I'm the, yeah, headliner, the headliner in that the case yeah. yeah but we got the best venue um for the festival which is the Melbourne yeah. Town Hall so that's always wow. huge because people think that that is the entire festival like mm. that little spot I don't mm. know people have wacky you, you have to play to the ignorance yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly like the, everything starts with accepting that most people are ignorant and you gotta start from there <laughs> yeah but the uh but that's a great that'll be a great venue yeah. how many seats um we are doing a little 65 69 70, I think 70 yeah, yeah. Be so much fun. yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so we're keeping it very great. small and I actually fun predict that we might sell out the whole mm. run yeah. Yeah. like before yeah. well, I would much was. rather have a smaller venue full every night than like do a whole bunch of shows to like you know 70 people in a 200 that's exactly what I told her yeah. as well yeah. like, like, like you'll just enjoy yeah. your life like yeah. why <laughs> like why <Yeah>. suffer why <laughs> yes. I did like I did like I did a lot of shows in colleges um, back when I lived in China I would come back to the states and do college shows mm. and sometimes you get a really nice room but they would have 40 people in a space for 300. Yes. And then other times you'd be in like literally a lecture hall, but there'd be like 80 people in a place for 30 and it was electric. Like it didn't matter that it was literally a, a lecture hall. Yes. It was just like you, you'd be able to like kill it. It's a yeah. much be better way to like brand it as well yeah. as like, oh yeah, the first few shows sold out. Yeah. Even, you know, of course there's always like a marketing, mm -hmm. you know, tricks to it, just mm -hmm. like anything else. When you go like, all right, we sold out the first five nights. It's actually a 40 theater, but who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, but that's People fine. like, you should give people, people like, some I want to be in the sold out exactly. show. Exactly. I want to yeah. go, but, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you give people yeah. some FOMO, which is why promoters, including myself, do like, you know, whenever you sell out a show, you just like, yeah, make a big deal out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even yeah. though that's technically, you're not selling any tickets, but you're selling tickets the next time. Exactly, mm. yeah. yeah. And yeah. there is no better feeling for a promoter than turning people away at the door. Yeah, That's the sorry, best man. feeling ever. Can't do, like, can't do it. We can't would like to take your money, but really. we can't. I just can't do it. Yes. Cannot. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Mm. And then you slap them just to get them yes. out of the way. <laughs> ah, no. um, so, so you're going to be in uh, Melbourne then. And so for the Australian comedy material, mm. like in the States, I think one thing that surprised me is like so much is about race and so much is about like kind of the 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 melting pot culture mm. and australia is also 
I think, a little bit similar to the states in that there's an indigenous population that has mostly been shunted to the side. And then mm. people from around the world took over this continent. Mm. Um, and so I wonder whether it's similar. Like, Yeah. People talk about Melbourne as if it's China. They're like, oh, I came to Melbourne. I thought I was coming to Australia. It's actually China. Because there's just yeah. so many Asian faces on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means that, like, I don't think it's filtered up towards the broader TV networks diversity mm-hmm. yet. So that's the thing. We still have like a handful of Chinese or Asian comedians floating mm-hmm. around. So I feel like it's still a good place to like a small pool to perform to, which is why it's like a good challenge to be here where the audience all looks like you mm-hmm. and they see comedians like me all the time. So mm-hmm. you have to have to be good. You can't yeah. just focus on just the race stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also it's, it's really helpful to not have to focus on race all the yeah. time because I think when you're starting out that's the expectation you think mm-hmm. you should write just jokes about why you look like this yeah um but yeah it's been liberating like even talking to him yesterday like do I need to explain that I'm Australian or can I just do the jokes and he was like just do the jokes because they're kind of used to it here they see mm-hmm. lots of people with different accents yeah. who have an Asian face so I'm like okay that's a relief I don't need yeah. to go write new jokes about that because I kind of just want like to to talk like I'm a normal person because yeah. I'm always going to be Chinese Australian in everything that I do. Like mm. I can't even I mean, let's remove face it, that. With that accent, you don't yeah. sound like a normal person. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Remember in your bit last night, you were talking about your your mom got upset at something, and she's like, "My mom went nerd." Somebody told me that it was like I did a I did a bit in Chinese about the Boston accent and the Boston accent is that there's no R's you don't say ah yeah like, park my car and have it yeah whatever bah, ah, that sort of thing mm. and somebody was like oh it's like the they thought it sounded a lot like the Australian accent because the other part of the Boston accent is you add the R onto stuff that it shouldn't have like China you're yeah. China yeah. 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 yeah like you know you're in China <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. No, they say we talk like this and not articulate because there's too many flies in Australia. So people like to keep... <laughs> like to, yeah, they keep their mouths like really yeah. closed. So they're like, yeah, mate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is really yeah. nice, yeah. Man, we were... We were side rant here, but we were in like an Airbnb in the middle of nowhere in Australia. Uh, where were we? Which one? With the so many freaking spider. Oh, yeah. There yeah. was... Uh, yeah, we were out... Like where they, it's like the meat pie capital. Like they have really good beef there. So it's called <laughs> Gippsland. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Bumfuck Australia, basically. And we're <laughs> sleeping in an Airbnb. And uh, yeah, stepping off the bed, going to the bathroom. And there is basically a spider that's just out of a Steve Irwin documentary. <laughs> yeah, like just the like, size of a plate. Like, yeah. And what is it called? Yeah, the so uh, Carpenter no, thing? What no, is it called? Um, it has, you told me the name. Now you're confusing me and I'm not going to be able to remember it. Yeah. It's like there were so many massive spiders on the Yeah, there trip. are a lot of spiders. I don't know if you do graphics here, but it's right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, gigantic. And mm. I was like... Was oh. it one of those ones with like the health bar on it? Did you see that? <laughs> 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 but it's like a meme of somebody's like, the spiders in Australia are so big they have health bars. It was just a spider, but it happened to be like high up on the ceiling, right underneath like a red strip on the wall. Oh, and it looked exactly like yeah, that. Yeah, like oh, video game. Yeah. 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 yeah, but it was like, I've never seen anything like this. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's Australia for you. And mm. then like, we had to like scoop it with a Tupperware and make sure don't touch it and then, like take it yeah. outside. But it turns out it wasn't poisonous. It wasn't poisonous, so, but at the you time you that. think you, you didn't yeah. know that. Exactly. This is something that you can find out later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not I'll find you the name, it'll come to me later. You just literally, 
give it yeah. a plug. Yeah. The spider. Yeah. Give it a plug. Yeah. 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 Follow where the spider. Are you, where are you performing? Follow like, the spider. What dates are you doing? God. The the um like it's getting to that point though. I feel like all these people run these like pet accounts. You know mm. those things like you seen like somebody's yes. like pet is their whole thing. And I was like, there there must be somebody who has a spider account. Like, oh, yeah. like you know, some sort of yeah. giant like spider clawing up all on their hand. And there's like, all kinds of weirdos. Like, like I, some... I have a dog in back in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, I've had her for a long time and don't have an account for her, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the point is that I hang out with a lot of other dog owners. Yeah. And some of them, they're like, yeah, yeah, follow my dog. I'm like, no, uh-huh. you, yeah. that's you. The dog follows <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Have you forgotten the way that yeah. the dog... <laughs> That's funny. I, if, yeah. I, if I ever had a spider account... Okay, here's a question. Mm. If you had a pet spider, do you put the leash around the big part or around the leg? Ah, oh, definitely the big part. If you were part, walking it. Right, the, the body. But, but it seems like it would slip off. I feel like the big part would be squishy and you might like... Kill it. And the legs oh, yeah, are like true. stronger. I think you might need eight individual leashes. I think that's actually the play. Mm. Somebody needs to make this like weird eight leash spider yes. thing with the, with the eight tiny little loops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the string. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're giving away great ideas for free here yes. on the podcast. And jokes. You've yeah, yeah. like five great spider jokes I got, right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to figure out a way to transition. So this is the thing though. It's like the what you said spoke to me about this idea of like you know, not having to play your race when you do the, when you do the show. Cause for many years in China, I was doing Chinese comedy. Mm. I have to address that I'm yeah. the white guy doing comedy. Mm. And then when I went to LA, it was some, in some ways freeing to be back into the majority group. But in other ways it was like, it was like, I look normal, but I feel still completely unnormal mm. because all of my life experiences from the past decade were somewhere else. And yeah. as I said, like I said, like, hey, well, I was in China and people are like, oh, are you bragging? I'm like, no, I'm trying to tell a story. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, like yeah. for me, it's just a story. Like, how do you get around that sort of, it's almost like you have benefits to both and problems to both. Mm, that's hard. It reminds me of Andy, our friend's experience. Yeah, having, you are also familiar. Andy, yeah, 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 having yeah. performed yeah. in Asia and then gone back to Australia, and mm-hmm. they just couldn't relate. To the, yeah. I lived in. I'm a white man who lived in China. Yeah, yeah. Material. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, for me, it's because I'm not performing in my native country. So for me, that's going to be the experience anywhere that is not Egypt. Mm. And even when I am in Egypt, I will be talking about China. So mm. I accepted that I am a foreign act everywhere I go for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like there's it, no, unless I'm it, in Egypt talking about Egypt in Arabic. Mm. But that's not going to happen because I have no experience anymore because mm. I've been away for so long. Yeah. So the point is that I go to Australia. I'm an Egyptian guy who's living in China. I go to China, an Egyptian guy was living in China. Yeah. That's still weird. I go to Taiwan, it's the same thing. Well, that was one of the things in China like that I kind of realized is like, because I did lots of different cities in China, and there's a big difference between Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, exactly. first tier city, they call first tier. Mm. And and like, you know, I performed in Taiyuan. I performed in, uh, you know, uh, Nanning. I performed yeah. in like all of these other places. And sometimes people are like, oh, well, like, do you have to adapt your material? I'm like... I probably should, but I'm just as weird there as I was in exactly. Beijing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like so that's I, like that's something you and I have in common. It's just like you will never be just like a regular act anymore mm-hmm. because of how your life turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and so to me, that's actually very liberating because I know then that I can go perform tomorrow in Lithuania and be like yeah. another foreign guy. I did perform in Lithuania. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's funny. I performed at Vilnius University. In, in Chinese? In, in English. Well, oh, I, nice. did, I did uh, in English shows there, but I did Chinese shows in Paris and London. Nice. Uh, and, and there were actually enough Chinese in like Latvia that I was like, you could have pulled oh. this off. I mean, I you, why there's enough there. Chinese everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the cool things I, I feel is like, you know, the if you have some sort of Chinese culture, there's Chinese everywhere. You can always pull off something in Chinese. And, I'm uh, amazed that you're not constantly touring the world properly because you can yeah. literally go to every country on earth, find 50 Chinese people and do a show. I, I got to get a promoter. You yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with some people in I Africa. Be fun. I got I to gotta get back on the road. I think the yeah. thing was that it was like the... I had such a shock from COVID of going from like 300 shows a year, always performing to no shows for a year mm. and a half. Yeah. And I, and I honestly feel like I just kind of like lost the, 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 um, like, you know, yeah, no, no, it's not even momentum, not the drive, not the momentum, like the habit. I'm just distractible. Uh, mm, like if you, yeah. if you get in a habit of like, you know, flossing every morning, you'll floss yeah. every morning for three or four months and then you drop the habit and all of a sudden it'll be like two years and your dentist is like, did you floss anytime in the last two years? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, so <laughs> yeah. I got, I got to move on that. So that was one of the fun things about seeing both of your shows mm -hmm. is like being like, okay, like, you know, this is, I, I got to get back on the horse. I got to get back. I love doing shows. doing shows like this as well, because like the openers, everyone was so good that like I literally told them before going up I'm like you guys thanks for the pressure this is yeah. like this is gonna be but yeah the openers did really well yeah, which is yeah. um it's always a little bit of a double edged sword you don't want the opener to do too good <laughs> I, well, I, I personally I like it because like that it. makes me like you know if you're touring a lot or if you're like feeling confident like you can get complacent and yeah. I've had shows when I'm like oh I'll be fine I'm the headliner and then I'm like I wasn't ready yeah you know yeah. but last night I'm like seeing everyone kill so hard I'm yeah, like, oh yeah, I have to bring it because yeah. otherwise there is no worse feeling than being buried by your openers. Yeah, that's not that's fun. That's I think true. from the opener's perspective, something that's changed that's helped me in the last few months is to, no matter where you are on the spots, just treat yourself as if you've got headliner energy. Yes. And that has like shifted my whole mentality. Mm. Like I'm, I was talking in a green room in Sydney with a very proficient MC. Uh, she's been doing it probably for like 20 years. Mm. And she, she just said that that just... Like, she used to be very demure about it. She's like, oh, I can't be better than the headliner. So mm. she was deliberately holding oh. back. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, she was no, doing that for the headliner. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I think, yeah, it does elevate the whole show. And then you can go home. If you're the headliner who's like, oh, I, mm. I stunk. Like, you mm. just got to be better. Yeah, and that's you got to be better. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. The, I think that was the, the thing that I really lo love about comedy and that I, I kind of have tried to take into other things is, like, you got to be good every night. You got to earn it every night. And, like... There's no, there's no, it, like, there's no, like, oh, like, you weren't funny, but you were funny 20 years ago, so, yeah. like, the audience doesn't care. You need to do it that night. Exactly. And so it's, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's kind of brutal, but it's also very healthy. Mm. It's, like, tied to reality. It's, like, what does it matter if you were on a famous show five years ago if you didn't bring it tonight? These people pay to see you tonight. They didn't pay sure. to see you five years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. And it's this thing when, it's like, even if you see someone who, like, name is, like, a household name, you get excited for, like, three minutes. And after yeah. that's like, all right, where are the jokes? If they're good, yeah. If they, yeah. they better have some jokes. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's take a quick break, and uh, we're going to reheat our water so we can get some more juice out of these leaves. And uh, we'll keep talking about the uh, comedy in Asia. I'm Jesse. I... I'm going to do blow, Muhammad. What? What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
It's time for battle with the new fun mobile game, Battle of Battles. Battle your friends, your enemies, and even other battles. And maybe after your 10th, 100th, or 1,000th battle, you'll realize that violence doesn't really solve anything. So many battles. And what comes of it? More battles. It's like, we don't want to battle, but we don't know how not to battle. So if you're battling and battling and don't want to battle, maybe try some really good tea, like Jesse's Tea House. Jesse gets his teas straight from small tea shops and tea farmers in China and puts them into a subscription service. Just use the code JESSEPOD for $10 off your first order of $30 or more and stop this endless battling. God damn. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tea Time with Jesse. I'm Jesse. I'm Annie. I'm Muhammad. And uh, we're talking about comedy in Asia and just life in Asia and figuring out how to be in places as one person when there are other people around and they're different than you, but also kind of like you, mm. which is, I guess, the theme of, of the, of, it, it, it's good that I feel so glad I have comedy as an outlet to do that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you don't, you're just like whining, but yeah. if it's comedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like, this is art. Like, I feel like we're, yeah, we are a huge diversity card today. We just need a black person. What is, great? what is yeah. the, I was thinking if there is a flag of brown, white, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Who am I? Yellow? Oh, no. there you, go. you said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the whole point. <laughs> well, this is, this is actually an interesting question. It's like it was. It's surprising. Like what isn't isn't appropriate. Like yeah. you know, coming back to the states. Like you couldn't say yellow. Uh, or like, no. I definitely couldn't. Yes, but in, in I couldn't China, either, even no, though no. we're dating. But in, in, <laughs> but in China, like, I could totally say that. If you if you said, like, you know, what's your Bayern, what's your Huarian, whatever, like, you know, you could say that. <laughs> but wait, is that something they're familiar mm. with in China? Like, yeah. they, they respond to that? Well, the reason, the reason why it's okay is because it's, like, completely, it's not even archaic. It's, like, it's just completely unrelated to real life. Yes, yes. So it's, like, you would never say that because it's not, like... Okay, that, that concept of race is not the way they think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's no negative emotion tied to it. Yes. So people don't get pissed. That's one thing I like about the freedom of performing in Asia in general. It's like, as opposed to even Melbourne, mm. who I had to adjust to, just like we said in the first part, it's like I had to adjust to like, oh, you can step on a landmine pretty easily here. Mm. And then you're in trouble. But here in Asia in general, I'm not saying that, you know, yeah. go around and say the N-word. But no. it's like, there is a little bit more of understanding yeah. or that like, less of trigger warnings yeah. or trigger words that you have to care for. Yeah. Or there's, or there's different types of triggers. Like I was just thinking about it. Like I've been taking videos being in Taiwan and followers mm. of mine have been saying like, like, are you going to be able to go back to China now that you said you've been in Taiwan? Yeah. I'm like, Oh, they don't know. Like, right. yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. Like, they, but I'm sure like those are Americans who are asking yeah. you that, not Chinese people. No, Chinese people know. Yeah. Chinese people know. But also like I thought about it, but I was like, that seems like a little bit silly, but they don't know. Yeah. And then there's also other things that I just take for granted that I know that they might not know. Like for instance, when I'm here, if I want to be very neutral about my my experience living in China, I'll tell people that I lived in Beijing for nine years. Yes. Because no one will, like there is a city called Beijing and I live there. Yes. It's not wrong and I don't need to make any political I mean, living statement. in Beijing, that's questionable. <laughs> about the wrong <laughs> part. No, yeah, because not. you probably have three lung cancers. I, as uh, I, know about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say if I do have lung cancer, I got like a really high level lung cancer. Like very <laughs> 
There was a lot of like elite, elite sort of lung cancer. Yeah. There was some real good stuff in the air. Uh, I, I, had, I had a sketch about this. I did. With, it was like a, it was a smog tasting. Like it was like it was like a, you know like we, we were like I wrote the script. We never shot it, but yeah. I was gonna make like it was gonna be in Beijing and like oh this is a Taiyuan twenty twelve you know like Shanxi like you know like has a little like you know yeah. I know yeah. Meiwei. It would be like uh, we were gonna have like wine glasses that would like fog in them. Oh nice. Would like covered up and then people would kind of yeah. like back notes of exhaust pipe. Exactly, mm. it, but it's like you know the exhaust pipe note is it. Yeah, I like it because it doesn't overwhelm the the yeah. smog. <laughs> Course, like, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, it just sounded like a wine douche, but for smog. Yeah. Well, like, I have you know, a question about yeah. this because I did a travel show and yeah. I don't know much about wines, and so I fell into some faux pas. Sorry, oh, my hair sorry. is everywhere. It's in your teeth. <laughs> Not in the teeth. Um, the extra flavor. They made fun of me for my descriptions which are too basic and apparently you're not supposed to describe wine as free oh is that like sweet yeah. yeah but i was wondering with tea what are the ones that you just can't say because they're too general okay i i have i have opinions on this so the my take is that a lot of the tea in the west is like overly uh there, there's sort of like an almost orientalist romanticization about a lot of the tea stuff where people feel like they need to know special words or special adjectives is, and and for me the reason why I got it we don't say tea, orientalist anymore oh, definitely no, yeah. not from you I don't That's, know. Uh, you're too white to get away I'm with too it white to get I'm away triggered with it. I don't know yeah. the, it's, but this is the thing it's like there's a sort of like a, a mysterious east or whatever yeah. we'll say um, thank you the uh, the like people think that it has to be a ceremony. People think that it has to all be like you know like high culture, so to speak, and and a lot of that also comes down to the words. Like, do you have fancy words for it? And I feel like a lot high of people, tea or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of people. It's it's un, it's unfortunate. Like a lot of people don't drink tea because they are worried about not like feeling like like you won't go to wine tasting you don't know what to say yes. you might not go to that wine tasting you know if you think you're not going to know the words about the tea so there are like a lot of words i've learned coming back into english that they don't use in china to describe tea um as i said terroir the the sort of the um mm. uh the the region that the tea is from or the uh you know subtle notes of leather and you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like that's not why i got into tea i got into tea because of this it's like when I got to China, I realized like people have tea as a social thing. They sit down, you come to my house, there's a tea table on the, in the, on the living room table. We're going to sit down, we're going to talk. And it can be high level, but, but like the adjectives, I don't know. So, okay. so like it's actually, I feel kind of bad sometimes because like my adjectives are not as good as some of the other food people's adjectives on the internet. Yeah. Like, I got to get better adjectives. I wonder why all the like these kind of social like lubricants all have to be toxins when you think about it because this is still has caffeine caffeine is a yeah, toxin yeah. Mm. so is coffee and then cigarettes and drinking or like smoking and drinking because people also hang out around cigar bars yeah so it's and alcohol similar. yeah it's alcohol. all toxins why yeah. don't people just hang out and have it's bizarre apparently there's so something weird. like there's like something really weird about being human it's like we want to hang out but we can't just hang out yeah but we have to <laughs> harm our bodies in the process but not yeah. every tea has caffeine or oolong mm. has a very low level yeah, yeah caffeine. I mean, but I conceptually think it's, it's still like yeah. you know but the way that we think about uh drinks in the west when it comes to like a hot beverage it's been radical to think about tea as a meditative process so mm. you're not in a rush to make it because that's why we have tea bags we're like, oh my god I'm, yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna put it in my cake and, and I'm gonna so drive that, yeah. to work and that's the thing that i'm like i will like you say whatever adjective you want about tea like i'm not gonna cause a problem but if you're like i don't have time for tea i'm like that that is a problem Yes. Like, you know, if you, like, people post on my videos are like, I have, like, I don't know, 15 minutes to, like, sit down and do this. I'm like, that 
that's a problem. Like yes. you need to get your life checked out. Like you don't have 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's always somebody on the internet that's posting it on like a YouTube short. And I'm like, I know you have one minute because yeah. you saw my video. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. it's like the idea you don't have the 15 minutes is I, th I would call bullshit on that. But even, even if it's not bullshit, even if you literally don't, that should be a sign you have to change your life. Mm. And it's like, you know, and it's e way easier said than done. It comes, you have to have a certain amount of privilege to have time, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, there is something to be said about like, we get sucked into overwork. Like in Beijing, I and it's also a point of like bragging, right? It's like people like to yeah. say how I, busy. It's like, oh yeah, I have no time. It's like, yeah, that means you have bad time management. Yeah, like that's not. Yeah, or or like um or like the the weirdest thing has been because I like I got to meet a lot of really well educated people mm. that have good income and everything, and they're just like busy as hell. Yes, and it's like something went wrong here mm -hmm. because it's like I think my my personal take on this is like in in capitalism you have to prove that you earned your money. Mm. So you have to be working all the time because if you have money and you didn't earn it, mm. then like society is like, oh, you're you're like trust fund baby or whatever. And so people- This part of, of the podcast sponsored by the Communist Party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but like it's, it's weird because like I'm not an anti-capitalist at all. Um, but I'm also not a like, you know, I, I just think like in, in all things balance and like the idea that people would spend so much time and energy to mm. be able to do something with the possible exceptions of like, if you're a doctor and people are literally dying, if you decide to work 30 hours a week, yeah. then maybe you should work more. Mm. But like a lot of people are like, if you're like a corporate lawyer, I know friends who are like lawyers and they're like stressed as hell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you're a good lawyer, like, I mean, I don't know how law firms work, but like, can't you take a couple fewer clients and enjoy your life a bit more, make a little less money. Yeah. And like they build these, but like they get into this system that the system squeezes these people for all of their labor. And I'm like, it's, it's yeah. just like wacko. That's I mean, a good, good yeah. point. Cause I'm here for six weeks. I'm doing some shows, but also it coincides with the holiday yeah. break mm. in Australia. So I feel guilty thinking that my friends are like this. She's just doing a holiday. She's always traveling. And mm. so yeah, having to prove that you're working and that you're performing and everything. Maybe I just need to stop Which doing that. Which you don't that. have to. Exactly. exactly. Don't and have it's to. like our culture now stresses so much on like how much money you can collect in a very short period of time. Yeah. And it just like, it, like, okay, you can do that. And then you're going to miss a lot of the key moments, yeah. that, even that you are in the moment. Like right now yeah. we're traveling around doing shows that objectively is amazing. Yeah. yeah. The fact that you're able to do that, go to another country, do a show, do something like this, yeah. go eat some fish, have some fun. Yeah. No one is harmed. It's great. Yeah. And then you're like, oh no, but I'm not making as much money or like, it's like, yeah, right. I think like it's, it was, I was very lucky that my first job, my first real job, I was a Fulbright scholar. I had, mm. I had a year where I was basically given a small amount of money. I was able to pay rent. I was able to eat food. It was not a lot of money, mm. but I, it was enough. And I was also, this is an interesting first job forced to not do any other work. They actually yes. make you sign something to say, you can't like take the government money, say you're researching and mm. then just work a job. Yes. Um, so like it was in this weird position and my first job was getting to do what I wanted to do, being paid very little, but also not having another job. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was like, I guarantee you I'm enjoying my life better than the people who are making the most money I knew out of college. Yes. And I For was sure. like, and I realized this moment, it was like, I would rather make way less money and have complete control over my time and what I do with my time. Mm. And, it, and it was good to know that because I had no idea uh, you know, who gets to know that. Yes. You know, and so now like, you know, and, and especially you see in entertainment, you see this a lot of people get sucked into these sort of like traps where you become so valuable to other people because you can sell the tickets or you can or you're the only one who knows how to shoot that show. Mm. And like weirdly enough, you need to 
like it, it's about this question of how do you take a step back and say, you know what, I could make a ton of money if I came out with 10 herbal teas tomorrow, mm. but I don't want to grind like that. I don't yeah. want to grind and be mixing teas all day and like turn this from what I love into something that I'm just grinding. Yes. You now know? you become like, yeah, you become something that yeah. you don't really yeah want to be, yeah. even if you have the ability to. Yeah. Because you'll be enjoying it less. Yeah. Half of the reason, even like for stuff of this podcast, like I really am glad to be doing this podcast because I'm like, if this podcast fails, mm. I got to hang out with my friends and drink Correct. tea. Yeah. If my podcast succeeds, my job has now been become to drink tea with my friends. The thing yeah. that you enjoy. That was yes. you're gonna do anyway. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's kind of liberating in the sense that like, you know, I need it to not lose tons of money because it would be bad. Yes. But I don't need it to make a lot of money. When you think you know? about it too, I think that's also the core of like a lot of uh, three stand up comics here, the, the core of like why we do stand up comedy is because yeah. you just want to make people laugh. Yeah. And if you happen to also be, turn that to a job like I enjoy making people laugh it doesn't matter it can be a stranger yeah and I'm like oh now I can make four strangers laugh and yeah. they buy they pay money to yeah. do that that's ideal that's yeah. like but the, you're right like if I don't have that means to make pe strangers laugh for money I'm still gonna try to do it for free yeah yeah <laughs> no, one, no one told me it could be a job to begin with yeah I think that's that maybe things have changed a lot now with the internet you can see yeah. people become stars overnight and then start making bank but mm -hmm. when I first started I'm like you can do this as a job. So yeah, when I actually yeah. started it as a job, everything is amazing. Yeah. You're like, wow, like yeah. I'm here, yeah. like three people paid. Holy oh, shit. Like, that's it. And then you, so you, I, you said in your, your, you said in your routine last night, you started doing comedy when you were 16. Yeah. Is that 16, right? What was yeah. that like doing stand up at 16? Cause I wasn't doing stand up. Yeah. I rewatched the set recently. I think it was last year. It was like a look back, you know, 10 <laughs> years later, more than 10. And I was like, that was bad. <laughs> but that was so encouraging. Cause it was a competition that the, Melbourne Comedy Festival started and there was probably like one or two jokes that still holds up. Do but... you remember a joke you did when you were 16? Yeah. I hate being the person, yeah, I, yeah. as a comedian, I hate being like, yeah. tell us a joke. It's okay. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard, we should do it too. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'll, tell you, the, yeah, I'll okay. tell you the first joke I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I did a joke about how I was always finding rice stuck to my clothes and I was like, this is like a, it just seems to be a specific Asian problem. It's not like other cultures are like, like, oh look, I found a potato. And I did an Irish accent and uh, it was it was bad. That's not, um, that's not yeah. as bad as I thought. You were like, no. not bad. I thought yeah, it was yeah. like, you can make that work. You can, you can yeah, make, probably that work. make that work. Right. Um, yeah, what about you? Uh, I think my first, from my very first set, who I haven't watched, which I haven't watched for years, I but I remember like a, a moment of just completely just talking to my friends in the audience because most of the audience at the open mic were my friends mm -hmm. and completely like alienating the rest of the room. So I'm just talking about this one guy who like hooks up with a lot of girls or whatever. I'm like, he's here, he's with a date. Let's see how he does tonight. And everyone's like, who's this guy? <laughs> 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 like, completely don't understand how stand up works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this guy fucks, right? And everyone's like, we don't know. We don't know you. <laughs> you used your stage time to be like a hype man. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which is actually like a really next level thing. Can you imagine like that would be such a great like interesting date idea like hey let's go on a date and see my friend do comedy and the whole yeah. day is just about how great you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's basically what happened <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was funny what I about think, you the first i remember the first joke i wrote in chinese um uh and for stand-up i did no well so my first stand-up joke i did in english was uh at an open mic at college and the whole routine was about one lunch lady 
Like one lady who like did the um, like the cashier. She wasn't even serving the food. She was just the cashier, and her name was Kathy, and she <laughs> she sounded like this. Mm. And the moment I did that, everybody at the school knew who I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. And so she was just like a total like like a chaotic person. Mm. She was like just this old lady, but she just had she gave no fucks. She would do whatever she wanted. <laughs> she was like one time she was like you know ringing up my lunch. And then she's like, hooray! I'm like, what? what happened? She's like, your lunch is 777. I'm like, yeah, what does that mean? She sounds she's like Krusty like, the Clown. <laughs> yeah, like, and she's like, it's 777. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, it means your meal's free. Get out of here. Yeah, and nice. I, so I just told like a bunch of Kathy stories. And then I sung a version of Wind Beneath My Wings in... Yeah, you know, like in Kathy's voice about being a cashier at my school. It was like it was real. That's really admirable because I'm trying to go deeper on a topic. Like that's still something that I haven't learned. Where mm. you know you don't just do one bit and you move on. Whereas you already you knew how to go deep. You went deep. Well, I think I think that there is maybe like it, it's something that I I I you know it's funny I have unlearned that skill. I think like I did it when I didn't know that it was hard, and then when because now I'm like so nervous about wasting time so now i'm like well unless i know the first joke works i'm not even going to write the tags mm -hmm. you know like you know but yeah but it's like the the juice that got you on stage in the very beginning was like i'm going to go like 12 jokes deep on this and you never even thought like maybe the first one's going to bomb and i have 11 <laughs> jokes that are not going to yeah. work but like back then you would just do it and you and ironically like you might even win people over if you just like refuse to get off of the topic even though it's not working, but you're yeah. like, I came here to talk yeah. about Kathy. Yeah. You're going to sit and hear me talk about Kathy. We, our buddy Vivek Mabavani was telling a story about an act he saw at the Melbourne Comedy Festival mm. of a guy who just went on stage and counted to 200 for the whole five minutes of his act. And that was the entire act. It's like one, two, three, four, five. Like yeah, yeah. And then it's like the range of emotions that the audience go through. In the beginning, yeah. they're like... What? There has to be a joke, yeah. and then after a while, they're very angry at yeah. him for continuing. And, and then, then the last like twenty minute, twenty counts, they're all cheering him on. And then he's like, "Thank you, good night." I'm yeah. like, "I'm upset listening to you now." Telling. <laughs> well, this is the cool thing about comedy is like I like I really love these things, and to some degree, it's a tea as well. I love things that there is no one right way to win. Yes. You know, it's just like I feel like so much pressure in the world comes from people thinking there's one right way to win. I have to have the house. I have to have the car. Mm -hmm. I have to live in the fancy place. I have to have a certain job. I have like when and and all of that pressure always comes from this idea that well, like it comes from kind of this lack of trust in you understanding what you actually want. Because mm. if you know what you want, you might actually get it. Mm. But if you only know what other people want and then try to get what other people want, you're never going to get it. Mm. You know. Yeah. And so for the comedy, it's like I feel like I need to re-embrace that with my comedy. Like I know I want to be doing this sort of bilingual-ish you know, multicultural content. And like, it's been a little bit of a struggle in LA because I can do that in the immigrant community, but mm -hmm. I can't in the Chinese immigrant community, but I can't do it in comedy clubs. And so I feel kind of bad sometimes that I'm doing what I believe to be good shows, mm -hmm. but it's not in a venue that's respected mm -hmm. in the comedy scene. And then I go in the comedy scene and I feel like you guys are seeing me at 10% power. Like, uh, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, and, and I feel like, this maybe is one of those things where I need to be like, I just need to accept that if they, if they're not going to come and see my show and the bilingual mix or whatever, they just might not be impressed with what I do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I guess that's where it helps to start your own shows, but you've done yeah. that already. I yeah. mean, I can take also the other side of that, that argument, which is like, you still would stand up. The objective 
at least for me as a stand-up purist in a way, the objective still has to be make people laugh. You're like, right. Uh, yeah. Totally right. Yeah, yeah. Because you know uh, that that whole conversation about like how there is no right or wrong way to do stand-up is conceptually correct. But the end, there has to but be. But there has a to be. You have to be like. Yeah. Otherwise, you veer into the territories of Netflix specials <laughs> over like an hour of an actual TED talk. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that is in and of itself entertaining. Yeah, but it's, it's not. Entertaining. Yeah, it's not. It's not the, the tag that you have on it, and it's, yeah. it's not the ca- that category. And yeah. you're like, oh, but I'm doing stand up. Like, no, you're not. Are you? Yeah. Are you doing stand up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you got you know, it's it's really funny because like. It's all, it reminds me of back when I was trying to get my Weibo registered in China. Mm. And in order to get the, the check mark in China, you need to be, you need to say like what you do. So I, I had enough followers and I sent in the check mark and I was like, they're like, what do you want to be verified as? I mm. say, I'm a Togo Shoyan, a stand-up comedian. Mm. And they're like, we need a work contract seeing that you get paid to do stand-up okay. so that we know you're a stand-up. And I'm like, no stand-up has a work contract yeah, showing that yeah. they got paid to Or you could do what he does and writes letters from him himself. Yeah, but I have company. a company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a legal LLC in Hong Kong. Mm. So every time I'm applying for a visa, including Taiwan visa, mm. they need to have an employer mm. like leave. Oh, yeah. But I am the only employee in my company. That's so funny. my letters, and this is still a legally, form, like accept, legally accepted form yeah. to write a letter from the MD who is me for myself to take leave with the same signature and that's, they completely accept that. That's funny. It's so funny. That's it's so like, weird. We allow Muhammad to leave and he applied for leave and we accept it. It's signed Muhammad. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's a different Muhammad. Yeah, there's Dude, so many so, Muhammads. The, the Taiwan visa lady, literally, I went there, I was late to print the document or whatever. So I went there with the chop. I haven't chopped it yet. I just wanted to show it to her. So I make sure it's correct. She goes like, yeah, it's correct. Have it chopped. And I just pulled it out slowly and went, <laughs> and then she goes, you're the, the, I'm like, I am the only, that's yeah. me. And that's when you take off the mask and it's just your own face. Like, it's like zip and it's yeah. still you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's, so, it's so weird though. It's like countries have no trust at all in people. But yeah. you just get that one little thing, yes. and then they're like, "Now I trust." Which, by the way, said, there is said. a little kiosk in front of Central MTR that can literally copy any chop. No. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like in Central, right next to the government buildings. It's like it's. It, I don't think it's illegal. It's probably it. Whatever, the kiosk is running legally. They fix umbrellas and shoes and they copy chops. <laughs> this is the, the three categories. But the point is that I can make the same exact. The Taiwan visa office is not verifying if yeah, I'm the yeah. company or yeah, not. Yeah. I can just take that chop. Take it to this guy, make a chop of my own, go back to the lady and apply for a visa. That's funny. The whole system is just stupid. That's, that's bizarre. Yeah, we wouldn't have this concept in Australia mm. no. of like the chop or the stamp oh, yeah, or the anything. Stamp, yeah. No, I think and that's the so The chop is so not complicated. The Hong Kong ones particularly, yeah. I show it to you. It's just like, it's, the, it's a very the, basic the main chop. Line, the mainland ones are legit. Like I remember when I got my Those are hard. Yeah, stamp. the star one. You got the big heavy stamp and yeah. it's got like serial numbers on it. And yeah. oh my God, I like the, the worst... Like the, my worst experience with the stamps in China was I went to the bank and I had to make this bank transfer and I had to write all of the information in, by hand. Mm-hmm. So I was writing all the characters by hand and I had spent 10 years of education to be able to do this, but my handwriting is still sloppy, right? Because <laughs> I just didn't learn it growing up. And then I go to the front, I wait in line 20 minutes to go to the front and do the thing. And she's like, um, yeah, this character, the dot is on the left side. It should be on the right side. I'm like, oh, I have to go all the way back, write it again. Okay, I did it right correctly. She's like, okay, great, stamp it. So I take the stamp out and I stamp it and it's a little smudged. 
<laughs> and 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 she, she's the same person. She yeah. knows I just went back and did this, and she, and we both had a moment looking at it. And she <laughs> was looking at it, and I was looking at it, and we were both like, I'm gonna have to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> go. She's oh, like. No. I yeah, have to yeah. go back and do it again. Yeah. So I went back a third time. <laughs> and it's like, you know, now whenever I stamp contracts in China, like, I'm like, I know that I could blow it. You know, yeah. like, and so, and that gives you the yips. It's like a sports thing. It's like you have a one foot putt, but, <laughs> but you know that, mm. that you could blow it. And now you're thinking about blowing it. So every time I stamp a document, I like, and the Chinese, they don't worry about the bump, bump, yeah. bump, bump. But I have, it's in my head now forever. <laughs> And it's like, um, and if you mess it up, the contract is not legally wow. binding. Yeah, but signature like doesn't it, matter. This is maybe my dad got this from China as a concept. But as a kid growing up, he had a stamp, a stamp with his signature on it. Like he was so oh, lazy good, that he couldn't like. No, it, it's not. It's not even lazy. Place. Like so, there's many types of stamps. So there's the company stamp. When I got a when I got a company, they gave me a company stamp. They gave me a Tai Wu Zhang, the accountant stamp, hmm. because that way you can have the accountant approve stuff, but you don't need to give them control over the whole company. Right, right. Yeah. Then there's also a. Um, uh, then there was also the Guren Zhang, the personal stamp. Yeah. So for stuff that like you want to show that like the CEO has approved it. But it's not like a legally binding document, mm -hmm. but it is binding in the sense that the CEO has approved it. Then you use the Guranjang, which is because the signature could be forged. Yeah. Right. And the idea is that the stamp um, in the old days, like, you know, there were only whatever society was 99.9% .9 peasants. And mm -hmm. so there were only a couple people in the whole world that would know what the stamp actually looked like. Yeah. So that was your way of, of, of uh, stopping forgeries. Was like only like only the king of Joe will know what the king of Wu stamp looked like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this was just an actual signature on a stamp. Was, oh, oh, yeah. it wasn't like, even it wasn't the character. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it was, was like this whole yeah, it's like his name was David Louis. It was just David Louis, and he'd be like, "Oh, you need a permission slip for an excursion." <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> that that reminds me when you're telling me about like when you're saying that how you can write Chinese. It reminds me of one of my mm. favorite meme formats. You know, the one with mm. like. We're looking on a doctor on a plane, and then the dad's like, they're looking yeah. for a doctor. And the yeah. guy's like, they're not looking for a DJ, aren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that reminded me of that. When you're saying, I can't write Chinese kind of badly, I wanted to nudge her, I'm like, he can write Chinese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, of all the skills, speaking, reading, writing, like, I spent so much time learning how to write Chinese characters by hand, and no Chinese person will ever put a pen in your hand and no. write characters. Because yeah. they assume you won't be able to write, and it would be the most embarrassing thing ever yeah. to write. Mm -hmm. Also, secretly, I think, they're worried they would forget the characters because yes. they don't write them by hand no, either. No, no one writes by hand anymore. I yeah. felt a little bit like crazy. So when I came to Taiwan, everything here is in traditional characters. I downloaded the traditional characters on my phone. I can type in traditional characters. It feels like cheating. Mm. I don't even, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to write that character. Yeah. Yeah. Came out now, perfectly. Like, <laughs> I have the Chinese keyboard and anytime I want to WeChat my family, you just put in the pinyin and it brings the characters up and I have enough recognition to be like, yeah, that's the character I want. But if you told me to write it, from yeah, memory, yeah. I wouldn't be able to. No, so. uh, there is another, a better hack, which is Gboard, where you can actually type in English and it translates to Chinese in real time. You don't have to go through what? Google Translate. Ah. That's how, I, yeah, I speak fluent Chinese to most of us. <laughs> <laughs> to all of my Chinese friends, they think I'm fluent. I'm but typing in. So yeah. it's so good that it's never grammatically wrong. No, or... no, no. It's the AI is so okay. advanced that wow. I can write like, I'll be there in 10 minutes and it just does it. Okay. I don't have to go through a translation. Just Gboard. Stop using fucking iPhone. I don't know, man. I, yeah. well, so I, I talked to so I, I had um, Xiaoma NYC, the language YouTuber on my channel, and mm. I asked him about this. I was like, are we going to get to the point where AI is so good you don't need to learn a language anymore? Mm. 
And he was like, we're already there for yeah. practical purposes. Mm-hmm. But what the, the difference is, if you say, I'll see you in 10 minutes, it doesn't mean that these, like, people actually want to hang out with you. Sure. Like, you, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. being There's able to actually speak the languages. Yeah. It's not even a subtle difference. It's like, the type of person who does everything the easiest way mm-hmm. is probably also not a very interesting person. Yeah, you know? I see, I see. So I'm saying you're not very yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got that. But, yeah. but you actually, you can, you do put in the work to be able to do that if you want to, but it saves time. Yes. And it's also like, yeah. um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I think that there's a lot of these things that, mm-hmm. you know, 50 years ago would be completely unthinkable. And I'm, I'm like kind of thinking about like, what's it going to be like 50 years from now? Mm. You know, like, especially as, did you see, it freaked me out as a bilingual comedian when they had those videos of like uh, Taylor Swift speaking in Chinese, but in her own voice. Have you seen these? No. They, they have the lips, like they can take the, the actual like notes of the voice and convert it into the second language. And so Whoa. she's like, you know, and so it's Taylor Swift talking, but in her voice is like, mm-hmm. like it, she sounded perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, Taylor has been studying. Um, but, <laughs> but then I also saw they took Guo De Gong, like the Xiang Sheng, per, mm-hmm. the performer, the comedian in China, and they had his thing in English, and it was wacko hearing Chinese traditional comedy in English by Guo De Gong with the pacing perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt really good, but it like, it didn't hit. Yeah, because it's not gonna hit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was like, okay, maybe my job as a comedian is still safe. <laughs> yeah, you, we're, our algorithms, I think, are very different when it comes to the AI stuff. Because mm-hmm. mine is a compilation of Donald Trump singing "Senorita" from different. <laughs> that's that's where <laughs> I am. That's Senorita. what I'm impressed by. <laughs> you seen that video that went viral of the uh, the the Trump Hillary Clinton debate where they were both like standing with the microphones and they put them singing karaoke? Yes, songs. yes. So it was something similar that. like that. It's very funny. It's beautiful, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. That was the best thing that came out of that election. <laughs> it was like you know that that literally that video of the uh, Teresa Tongue sort of. <laughs> So, a um, couple more uh, questions about the mm. uh, the respective comedy scenes. You're in Hong Kong. We heard mm. a little bit about the Australia scene. We didn't mm. hear about the Hong Kong scene. Yeah. So, what's the what's the Hong Kong comedy scene like right now? Uh, it's changed a lot since before COVID. Like, mm. we have had a pretty bad lockdown. Mm. Like, really bad, you know. Lockdown has affected different parts of the world differently. And I think governments handled it to different varying level of success. Hong Kong just messed it up because the quarantine was so harsh for so long mm. that it just deterred a lot of people from even coming back or like thinking like oh the next one is going to be as bad if yeah. you handled it this badly so what happened is that a lot of the touring comics the really good ones that we used to get before because they travel in asia you, yeah. you just make a stop in tokyo usually yeah. tokyo is a, is a grandest stop yeah. because everyone wants to travel in japan but then we can just call their agents or call them and be like hey come to hong kong do a show it's very hard to do that now. Mm. So the problem with the they Hong don't Kong, want to go, or you can't sell the tickets, or what's the? the yeah, they don't. They're scared. They don't trust it. The anymore. promoters are like, we've been burned. Yes. So yeah. Mm. So but the, the that that also means that there is a big discrepancy between the really big acts can come through like Live Nation, mm-hmm. and then there is us who are just running local shows, and yeah. there is no in between. Mm. We used to bridge that gap by making. Oh, Neil Brennan is here for the weekend. Let's get him. And yeah. we used to do that. Like, uh, we would like Hannibal run Perez into his hotel room and like exactly. throw something over his head. He'd wake up, he's on stage, and he's like, I know how to do this. Correct. Yeah, yeah. we've had so many, like we as in Hong Kong, even before my time, Bill Burr came through, uh, Hannibal Perez, uh, Neil yeah. Brennan. A lot of these guys would just come through. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's a small show, whatever. Now only Live Nation can do that. Mm. No one else can do it. Because, yeah, you need that level of connection. But on the local level... It's again, it's different. Before 
um, COVID, there was one main comedy club run by a guy who mm -hmm. owns the building, so mm -hmm. he has like no overhead, mm -hmm. and it's quite easy for him to, to run shows. So now I am the other guy in the mm -hmm. scene who is running it full time, and there's a lot of independent guys mm -hmm. who kind of work, work both rooms. And then there is people like Vivek Mabobani, who is kind of like you, com completely bilingual. Mm. A Cantonese, he's an Indian fella who was born in Hong Kong, but uh, speaks Cantonese fluently and English. Mm -hmm. And he works in both languages. Yeah. So he's the biggest name. And I love seeing his stuff in Cantonese, even if I don't understand all of it. Mm. Just seeing like, I, I just like, I'm such a bilingual comedy nerd. Yeah. There, and there's, there's, there's a little enough of it, I feel you can kind of see it all in the world, yeah. you know? Yeah, and he's also probably the hardest working person I know, period. Mm. Like, I've, I'm very close to him, and subtle plug, we do a podcast together. Uh, Ho What's Ho the Hong name Kong. of the podcast? Ho Ho Hong Kong. Uh, you can find it on wherever you find the podcast. We've been doing it for five years. It's a pretty established it's a good, podcast. It's a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. So Vivek and I, we have the occasional guests sometime. Um, but yeah, it's a local scene. There is open mics twice a week. There's weekend shows, usually me and the other promoter run shows over the weekend. And again, the occasional big show. So as we're like for this period, we have Jimmy Carr coming through. We had Tom Segura just came through. Mm. Again, they're run by huge companies. Do you feel, what's the, the difference in the vibe between the Hong Kong uh, community and the uh, mainland comedy community? Uh, Hong Kong uh, community, like the comics, like yeah. are richer. Yeah, <laughs> and that makes that makes a big difference because there's a lot more. I'm throwing a lot of people under yeah. the bus here. There's a lot more uh, substance abuse oh. in the Hong Kong scene than than mainland. Mm. Not for, obviously part of it is mainland having tighter control yeah, over substances. Strict. You don't want to do anything in mainland China. Yes, yeah. and I'm not gonna specify which substance can be tea. It can be anything. <laughs> so you use your imagination. Uh, but in, but also that means in Hong Kong you don't have to, like people are busier because mm. the jobs are very demanding. Mm. Uh, that that well, I thought actually, you were gonna say because they're like currently using drugs. <laughs> I like, mean that is true. <laughs> that, definitely that. Yeah, that's the thing. That's kind of my point. Is like when you are that busy, you have very limited time to do the drugs and do the comedy <laughs> and then go through life. And they actually put more value in comedy that way because their time is so limited. Yeah. As opposed to the people who are living in, like when I was running yeah. in Shanghai, a lot of them are English teachers or like kind of like not yeah. has as demanding jobs. They have jobs. a lot of time. They have a lot of time. That's it. And they just come and like bum around the comedy club for yeah. seven hours. I think that all their sets are like double time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, although I will say it was like one of the best things about being in the Chinese comedy scene and I didn't appreciate until after I moved to Hollywood is you get a lot of stage time. Yes. And, and people are just like nice to each other before and after the shows mm -hmm. and everything like that. Like not saying that everybody in LA is like mean to each other, but it's like... Everybody in LA is using comedy to get where they want to go, and yeah. and and uh, and the people in China were just like, I'm so glad to have this outlet to be mm -hmm. able to perform and yeah. to express myself. But that's a double-edged sword, I think, because a lot of people, even the really good ones in the Hong Kong or even the China Sea in the foreign part, at least the English-speaking comedy. Uh, know that they have a ceiling and they're not looking at it as a profession as opposed to the LA people when they are actually yeah there's like there, an end goal that's the thing is like there is um there's also a lot of good that comes from the idea that there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow correct somewhere. you know like yeah. if, if it's if it's just nothing for nothing forever for fun for whatever that's great we had a good time today and tomorrow and and then yeah. you come back 10 years later it's the exact same thing I would love to have a roster of people who are interested in growing their comedy career as opposed to like right now I have a roster for backstage comedy that my company mm -hmm. of like maybe 20 working comics 
15 of them, they're not looking at it as a career. Yeah. And they're good. All of them are good. Yeah. And that's a problem because I'm like, I would rather actually have someone a little bit less good who okay. is interested in climbing a ladder yeah. as opposed to, I'm going to keep doing this until I'm not able to. Yeah, there was, there's definitely, I think this is something that the improv scene sees a lot more of. Is like there's a lot of people who do improv for funsies or whatever and then, you know, keep coughing. Just yeah, yeah, good content. Right. Uh-huh. Can we have a short that's just you coughing? <laughs> it will remix it with AI. Yeah. It's going to be a hit. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, um, it was in the improv scene, like you would, you would have like a really good troupe and then, I, in China, we would actually have the opportunity to like tour. Mm. And then I'd be like, you know, an improv, like to be able to tour and improv is like, you're already up at the top. Like if yes. you're touring and doing improv, like it doesn't get much better than that doing straight improv. Mm. But I was like, okay, well I have, I have six people in a troupe and we can't take all of them. Initially I thought it'd be a problem of who gets to go. And then the, in the end it was like, I can't get enough people who can take the time off of work to Correct. go. Yeah. And so there is, I think a, uh, like, you know, in stand up wanting to be making that leap from having the real job and then going to do comedy full-time is very hard in some Mm. ways I feel like I was very fortunate I started doing comedy full-time I had that research grant where I got a year of runway to do comedy full-time and then Mm -hmm. even in the beginning when I wasn't making much money professionally Mm. I still was like I don't have another job yeah and so there was a chance to be able to grow it's very funny actually thinking about it the three of us are doing comedy full-time for completely different reasons and under completely different circumstances because mm. she started when she was very young i was actually like i was doing comedy but unt- like until right before covid i was working also for bigger companies like live nation running their venues and stuff so technically that's still under yeah. corporation and then during covid when hong kong was dead i picked up a day job mm. uh, doing coffee stuff mm. um but then right when covid kind of ended Actually, immigration came for me and they're like, hey, you have to choose one of the two because I'm not a permanent resident. So that's actually forced me into just having my own company. Otherwise, I would still try to balance everything. So they can force you to do comedy. They can't force you to be funny. Yes. But they can force you to say, like, you got to try. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it was... But that's exactly what you need. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like put in a position, I'm like, oh, if I don't choose this now, I would have to give it up or leave Hong Kong, Mm. which I don't want to do. Uh, but it was like a criminal case. Yeah. It was a whole deal and it took a year to get out of. Oh, yeah. But the point is that now I am just like, I, that's the only, if I want to do comedy, I can only do comedy. Wow. So you had to choose between comedy and coffee. And, well, it yeah. was comedy and any other job, yeah. like comedy and a day job. Mm. Well, um, it's, I'm very glad I don't need to choose between comedy and tea because we both of them. We, yeah. we're, we're just about finished up. Before we finish though, I do want to do a little bit of a quick lightning round. Um, before we do the lightning round though, what do you guys think of the tea? Great. It, was this the same, this is the same batch? Yeah, same. Well, it once. The flavor has stayed consistent after, yeah. what, you've probably done it like 10 what? times. Yeah, maybe 15 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. many. Yeah, because yeah. normally, you might, you know, you might get three good ones and the rest taste like water. Yeah. So, so really the high good. quality tea, yeah. like you get more out of it. And so sometimes people are like nervous. They're like, what if I don't want that much tea? I'm like, don't drink that much mm. tea. That's fine. I mean, there's right. a really easy trick that I'm now figuring out. There's like these small shot cups. Mm-hmm. And like so easy because you just keep it like yeah, hot, it hot as opposed to oh, having yeah. a, I, I, yeah, I know true, this true. is very obvious but no, no, like no. But so I drink fair. my tea in a mug yeah so now I'm like I should drink my tea and you should the smaller yeah. cups the smaller cups repeated steeps what also the other cool thing it does is you feel a little bit of a journey of the tea it starts a little yeah, light it gets yeah. stronger it kind of loosens out a little bit so it's not just like sort of the same thing over and over again and then yeah. when it loses flavor you're in a steep trouble oh, yeah, right. yeah. Right. 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 right that's that we are no longer dating 
<laughs> All right, lightning round. So I'm gonna just say a question. Like these answers to these questions are like one sentence maximum, okay? Mm -hmm. And we'll go for both of you. So, what was the uh, favorite uh, country you've ever performed in? <laughs> uh, Australia. Okay. Um, Taiwan. All right. Oh, yeah. there you go. There yeah. you go. All right. Um, what was the uh, most? Uh, what was the best room you've ever played in? Oh, the Palais Theatre in Melbourne, like mm -hmm. 3,300 televised, can't, <laughs> can't that. that. Yeah. Uh, Shanghai Center in Shanghai, it's like a thousand theatre, nice. was was opening for Jim Gaffigan. So, oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a good night. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a great night. Was it was like one night. of just like everything lined up perfectly mm -hmm. and we had a great mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, favorite thing about being a traveling comedian? Uh, the traveling. <laughs> uh, doing fuck all before the show I really enjoyed that yeah yeah last night before I know it's short answer last night yesterday before the show we played ping pong for about two hours yeah. oh really yeah and having the freedom to do yeah. that just is amazing I, mean, I, me. I played more ping pong than stand up like I came <laughs> Actually, eight minutes yes. of work I played ping pong for an hour and a half yep. you're basically a professional ping pong I player am. Yeah. that doing stand up on the side yes. <laughs> which is great exactly um, and then uh, uh, like least favorite room you've ever performed in oh I, it's dead now but my first ever open mic was this place in Footscray and there were 20 men and then me and it was like midnight and it was bad <laughs> uh, Korea, Korea. <laughs> like, one room in Korea in particular was just like I felt like everyone after the show is gonna commit suicide and it has nothing to do with me oh, really? they're already miserable people and I think I made them like worse it was <laughs> so, like, these people I, I can't help them I, I don't can't get, help them I came exactly. here to make them laugh and I can't help it, them. yeah yeah it's like you're a doctor and you have to like take off the things yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this but you're all dead inside yeah, no, yeah. No. I'm sure there are better rooms in Korea you should hire him to go and perform uh, um, yeah sure uh, and then we'll say um See if I have any last thing to say. Like, what's uh, uh, the? Do you have a, a joke that you were sure that would succeed that bombed? Oh yeah. Throughout the history of your yeah. whole yeah, just like yeah. maybe like one one joke that you were sure would succeed that bombed. Oh, can you take this one first? I uh, yeah, I used to have a bit about how I was dating someone. And I would refer to her by her first name that translates, it's an Arabic name that translates in English, but in English is very offensive. So it sounded like I'm just like, like making fun of her, not just making fun of her name, but I'm calling her that name. Yeah. As opposed to the name just funny translates to, I don't even want yeah. to say her name. Yeah. Is. <laughs> but yeah, it just sounded work. like I'm just calling her something. Yeah, yeah. And I did it a few times. I'm like, I should stop doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. People were like, why are you so mean to her? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my mind has blacked out all the bad like things I've written. I've written <sighs> that would be so, such a good skill to have so as a many. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, I can talk about like the TV show I was doing. I got a complaint for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was, was that? Written in by like an international viewer, and we were just riffing in the office ideas about like China had um, a new policy mm. around the government encouraging young people to make babies, and mm. I'm like nothing like nothing gets you hornier than like government mandated sex basically. Yeah. But I said that it really yeah. Yeah. Uh, kills uh, lady boners, um, <laughs> and that got a complaint. We had to recut the episode. Really? Yeah, that, like the word lady boner offended too many people. What? Um, in my defense, when I was writing that letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was because I was trying to hit on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was not 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I had to. I didn't realize it fucked up so much. Already. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't work. realize that was gonna be a bomb because, like, you know, we're used to being on stage so yeah. uncensored. Yeah. Like my actual first unfiltered version of that was um, I've never been drier. So and they were like, no, we can't broadcast that. So that was a sanitized version and still like no good. Oh. Well, very good. Well, I mean, it was so great to be able to hang out with you guys and once we turn off the cameras again, we're going to the fish market. So it's That's why be you time. mentioned fish. Yeah. You know, like you come here, you do some shows, you eat fish. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about our literal plan you after did, this. You did say it super casual. Yeah, and I, yeah. Am I going to call you out on yeah. that? Like, no, no, I'll keep going. I knew what you were talking about. But it's great to be able to see you guys. And again, let me know if you're ever in LA. Um, and uh, it's great to be able to share it with you guys as well. Thank if you. you are interested in the tea, you should go on. And uh, at the time of viewing, I do not know what's in the mystery. Taiwan drop, but probably by the time that you see this, it may or may not be a mystery. In any case, if you want Taiwanese teas, they are on the site. The tea set, all of the stuff that you see here is also on the site. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. And um, just really great to be able to spend some time with you guys. Thank you again. Uh, what is uh, socials that people can follow you on? At Annie Louie, A-N-N-I-E-L-O-U-E-Y. Great. I'm at the other Muhammad, and that's probably the only handle that is the other Muhammad. So it doesn't matter how, how like the spelling of Muhammad, you'll find it. the other Muhammad. On Instagram. <laughs> you'll, you'll be able to find him. You'll so. be able to find. Very him. good. Thank yeah. you guys so much. Have a good one, guys, and uh, enjoy your tea. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye bye.